0: Welcome into the final edition of New Track Record for 2021, Caleb Hatch and Justin Kinney with you once again to discuss the weekly happenings in the NTT IndyCar Series, all caps, <laughs> defying everything. <laughs> hello, Justin. Uh,
1: hello. Yeah, we'll get to that story. Uh, that was maybe the greatest tidbit of this week's mailbag on racer.
0: Yes, we're, we're going to have to clarify anytime we're shouting that it's in all caps now because that's for the brand.
1: Yeah, for the brand, because so many more (laughs) people are going to pay attention to the NTT IndyCar Series if it's in all
0: caps on social media. That's right. Well, plenty to discuss this week on this episode. We had a lot of driver announcements come down as we're recording this uh, Wednesday night. A lot of driver announcements coming in. David Malukas with uh, HMD Motorsports and Dale Coyne Racing at another few acronyms onto that Uh, (laughs) officially confirmed multi-year deal, which I found intriguing, Uh, multi-year deal for Malukas, the rookie he'll replace Ed Jones, in the 18 car teaming up with Takuma Sato and that partnership with Rick Ware racing on the other machine. Dale coin racing has their lineup set before Christmas. It's a miracle. Uh, Other news, Jimmy Johnson confirmed for not just the Indy 500, but the full season. Bit of a surprise, but then again, we should have seen this coming. James Hinchcliffe out of full-time car competition. Pato Award completes his F1 test, and unfortunately, we lost another legend with Al Unser senior passing late last week. So let's dive into the driver news first. David Malukas coming in as a rookie. I I feel like this is perhaps one of the more unheralded rookies coming in uh, to IndyCar that I don't feel like we know a whole lot about. We know a lot about Kyle Kirkwood and a lot of hype surrounding him, but Malukas gave him a great fight last season in lights, and it almost seems like we're kind of underselling his his talent level.
1: A little bit. I feel that he's, uh, he's proven himself – in Indy Lights to the tune of, you know, what, seven wins last year, runner-up finish in the points. But I think he, 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 at least to some people, and maybe even including me, he has this negative connotation because we feel like his dad is a big part of his ascension into IndyCar because of the family business, because mm-hmm. of the financial um, kick that his father can put in. So fair or not, I feel like he's more judged based on that right now. But I hope he's able to come into the series next year, find himself, and and be a good competitor. But I feel like he's one of those guys that I wonder, would he be in an IndyCar seat if he didn't bring a fat check? And I know you can say that about quite a few guys, but I would say the same thing about those guys as I am David Malukas
0: i would say this to counter that you know he did two years of lights there was obvious progress sixth in the championship in 2019 obviously there are no indy lights contestant in 2020 due to the pandemic 2021 comes back like you said win seven races finished second in the points obvious development there and you know hmd motorsports has become you know up there competing with andretti autosport as far as having the most cars and indy lights and then now they're stepping up to partner with David for obvious reasons for his IndyCar ride, but also partnering in IndyCar with the team could be a future IndyCar operation on their own as we've seen teams kind of come and do. And that could be a possibility. One would think in 2023 for Vassar Sullivan to go on their own uh, after leaving Dale coin racing, you know, this off season. But uh, to me, the talent level is clearly there. And yes, would he be there without the funding from hmd which is what it's like a trucking company yes right? yep you know would he be there i i don't know but he hasn't he's winning races i mean he's not a scrub and i think the rookie class is really intriguing to me because you have kirkwood you have Maluka, malukas malucas Francesco, uh all from indy lights you throw in uh who am i forgetting here
1: well, what? let's go through the rookie class here. Oh, you Callum Eilat and to Christian Francisco. Lungard. Yeah, so you're a solid five strong right now.
0: So there's a lot of depth there in different disciplines. You know, three from Indy Lights, two coming over from Europe with experience you know, on the, the European ladder, the F2, F3, that, that sort of thing. I think there's a lot of depth, and this will really be a, a healthy competition, whereas last year, it wasn't much, but Grosjean made it more <laughs> intriguing than you right? would have guessed based on his performance, closing out the season, but McLaughlin able to, to hang on. I, I think, though, with Malukas, I think we're probably underselling him quite a bit. With Devlin DiFrancesco, maybe by the end of the year, I'll feel like he can, uh, by end of the year, I mean 2022 season, he'll be getting up to speed, but it just it feels like a year too early there.
1: Little bit, I feel, but when you look at this five person rookie class as we sit right now, Caleb Kirkwood, DiFrancesco, Malukas, Eilat, Lungard, if you had to rank them in terms of not just next year, but I think in terms of brightest IndyCar future, and maybe we're not ranking them one through five, but at least you had to guarantee you had to say the top two. Who are you looking at? And, and not necessarily the best drivers, because I think we can look at, you know, Callum Ilot maybe that would eventually get a shot overseas or whatever. But who do you feel has longevity in the IndyCar series out of these five?
0: So I would say Ilot and Lungard come in with the most talent. But like you said, I, I think Lungard having raced an F2, I, I'm not sold on the fact that he's going to want to stay in IndyCar long term. He's probably still hoping... For an F1 seat. I don't know if that's going to happen. Same with Ilot. I mean, I I feel like it's kind of a slim shot at best now, but I mean, long-term, Kirkwood is the guy, right? Yeah. And then after that, it feels like a toss-up between Malukas and, I guess, Lungard because of the equipment he's in now. If he has a successful first season, you would think an extension's there and, and he sticks around.
1: Yeah, I would agree. Um... I I I feel like I'm I, maybe I'm judging too much on on one race for Christian Lundgaard, but I think I like I liked what we saw last year,
0: right? Yeah, I mean, fast six qualifying yeah, job in his I first mean, outing is yeah very impressive.
1: Uh, there's a lot of hype around Lot for sure. Uh, I, I think it, De Francesco and Malukas to me are probably that bottom two for me not necessarily hating on their abilities but i think there's just a lot of excitement around those other three
0: yeah i think i mean Kirkwood. this is kind of the every couple of years we get a guy who's kind of got that it factor we, we saw it with colton Herda and potto award in the same year a few years ago and this is kind of the next guy in line after that to to be at that level um after that it just it feels like there's a big drop off though
1: I feel like it is too. Yeah, um, but I think in terms of the, of the driver in the big best situation to succeed. I mean,
0: is it DiFrancesco? Well, yeah. I mean, he's got the the best ride. Uh, you could argue. Does he? I mean, yeah. it's that fourth. Yeah, that's true. That fourth Andretti's been a mess, and we'll we'll get to that in, in a bit talking about Hinch. What's better, the fourth
1: Andretti right now or the second RLL car? Or third, depending if you put Harvey or. I mean, I
0: would say the Ray Hall car is better right now. Yeah, I would agree. I I didn't feel like there was a drop off in that team last season when they ran Frucci or Lungard or or Askew in any of the races. Right? I mean, that was never discussed.
1: What's the better ride, the lone Junco's Hollinger car or the Foyt car? Oh. The fact that we're even debating that or you even had to hesitate to think about it says a lot about where we're at with A.J. Foyt Enterprises.
0: Uh, I mean, Hukos at least has a new backer that they've added in with Hollinger, and that gives me hope. And they're like- a team that they, I mean, they want to expand, and, and Nathan Brown had that tweet last week that we discussed about you know Ricardo talking about at the test and the expansion and new team members, and they reportedly bought that Carlin transporter i mean that that's a team that seems to be back on the rise with foy i mean do they add a third car full time it's been discussed we haven't seen anything they happen i mean if the funding's there from rocket obviously you do it um if the other entries are indeed fully funding which i don't really have doubts that they're not fully funded because kellett is back and then kirkwood will have rocket plus the money he brings from winning indy light so i mean the, the Healthy funding there, I guess, is my point. But I think also that we
1: something we need to look at, too, is here we are in mid-December, and there are some seats that still need to be filled. Not many. Well, that's true. Not many. But to create an entirely new entry at this point, not only are you late in the game in terms of driver and all that stuff, but in terms of personnel, in terms of crew, like unless you're pulling from another discipline within your your organization, or you have just extra bodies. Like, like take Foyt. Like, if they add a third dri- third driver, a third car, do they have staff ready? Or are they going to have to hire staff for that too? And it's basically, you know, you're playing catch up. We're, we're on track in two months, and to it's start one the season.
0: It's one thing to do a third entry for the Indy Five Hundred, right? Correct. It's another for a full season.
1: Yeah, period. I just, I, I would be shocked if it happens at this point. I think we're a little bit late in the game to be adding cars uh, to next year. So. Basically, AJ Foyt just need to focus on there too, and 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 get better there. But yeah, in terms of going back to the rookies, um, it, it's it's a more traditional rookie class as opposed to last year. Very abnormal last year, but I think there's definitely uh, some talent in there. And when you look at Foyt. And you look at Coin and you look at uh, Ray Hall, Letterman, Landing in particular. They're really trying to find that next generation of driver that's going to propel them uh, going forward. And you know Kyle Kirkwood probably only a one and done before he goes to Andretti. But Ilot trying to or Junco's Hollinger trying to build around Ilot. All these teams trying to find that next Alex Pelot, that next Colton Herta, that next Pato Award. And um, I feel like. You can make a case for any of these guys. I don't think there's – there's definitely not one where you're just saying there's absolutely no way it's going to work out.
0: Yeah, I mean, they, they all bring a level of talent and or funding, a lot of them both, to the table that makes you think, okay, these aren't one-and-done guys who come in and they, they won indie Lights, they have no budget, and we'll, we'll see what happens after that. I mean, we unfortunately saw that a couple of times, you know, where guys would run a full season – and that was basically it. Spencer Piggott seemed like, you know, that kind of happened to him. Um, but it seems like there's more depth here, and and we'll see how this plays out. But this is a very intriguing rookie class. Maybe not the the name factor like you mentioned that we had last year with a Supercars champion, uh, one of the all-time great NASCAR drivers and a former F1 driver who, you know, had a solid career in F1 until, you know, the last couple seasons there with Haas. But still, I think there's a lot of intrigue. And I think, you know, one of those guys who was a rookie last year, transitioning to to another news story that I'll admit I was slightly surprised on this one. But Jimmy Johnson running not just the Indy 500, but the full season in the NTT IndyCar Series, all caps, next year. Uh, that includes Carvana sponsorship for every race weekend, with the exception of Iowa. That will be the American Legion. On the car for the doubleheader there, and um, this is this is welcome news. I don't I don't think we expected this. We should have because any car deepthroat told us all along he'll be full time in 2022, and here we are.
1: I feel like this made just too much sense. It was the worst kept secret. I've mentioned it before in terms of the lead up to this. Like it's going to happen at least with the 500. I felt like everything would happen the entire season because if you're going to raise the 500. Why not race the others? Why not race the others? Why not race Texas in March to get your feet wet in terms of an oval uh, with traffic and stuff? And then after the 500, like, well, if you've done those two, why don't you just do Iowa? And then you may as well do Gateway, too. So it's it, it was really, I felt, always going to come down to running the entirety of the season. Because with so little ovals on the schedule, it just makes sense. Like, if you're just going to do one, you may as well do all four.
0: You know that's a good point about Texas. It's it's easy for me to forget. I forgot this. Texas comes before Indy again this year, and they're going to have an oval race again before Indy because that's something that's really important to Roger Penske. I think just for what it kind of a development and to see where guys are at.
1: Well, I've always I've always been of the belief that, in particularly with Aero and not Aero electronics, but like aer- aerodynamics and all that stuff, mm-hmm. like when they're and maybe this hasn't been the case the last couple years, but in terms of when you make big arrow changes or even prospective minor arrow changes to help or affect the 500, I really feel like you benefit from having an oval before that, especially a high-speed oval like Texas, to really kind of test things out. Because I feel like if you come into the month of May, with new pieces and okay, this is the first time we're going to see it in May. Yeah, we tested it in March, but you know, the, the it was different temperatures in in Indiana, all that stuff. And then I, you know, if something goes wrong, then you're trying to figure it out during the month of May. Really, you know, if all of a sudden well, and- they can't run close together, or you know, all that stuff. So
0: we saw this year one of the AeroKit, you know, manufacturer AeroKit era right in 2015, where they had the Chevy entries, you know, getting airborne in practice. So, I mean, your point is valid, talking about needing that evaluation period.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, I feel it behooves the series. I'd much rather have an oval before the 500 than not. The problem is finding an oval to run at, because long-term, I don't think Texas Motor Speedway is going to be there.
0: So, what does this mean for Tony Kanaan, Uh, according to the Indy Star uh, nat newell on the write-up since nathan brown taking some vacation time off uh, says a chip ganassi racing official told any star the team would have an announcement on Canon's role with the team in the near future so uh, i would assume this comes what before christmas right after christmas I would think so, yeah. Do you think he just runs the Indy 500? Do you think he'll still run the other oval races?
1: I feel it's just a 500 at this point. I don't I think Ganassi has the infrastructure to run. And I know we just said, well, it's not that much more if you just run the the uh, 500 as opposed to all four ovals. But I feel in this respect, running five cars at five different events, basically, with two races
0: at, at Iowa, uh, that's a lot. And with Canon, I mean, he brings Bryant, Seven I'm not sure what else as far as sponsorships and, go. You know,
1: to be honest, I just I don't know what you gain from running TK at Texas and Iowa and Gateway, to be honest. I, I just don't feel like other than the Indy, has he proven to be competitive enough to compete for wins there? And I think if the answer is no, then I don't think you stretch your resources out to run five there.
0: Have we seen Ganassi run five cars? Oh, I, I really cannot recall a time, you know. Did they add like a fifth when they had four? I don't. Full time? I can't think of a time they did. I, I guess, let's see. I'm kind of looking through quickly when. So I they don't... ran four 2011, 12, 13. Uh, 14 and then in 15 sage caram ran a partial schedule with Savedra filling in the gaps Savedra ran at indy yeah so they ran five in in 2015 Savedra was the fifth car so they've done it yeah they've done it Uh, but i don't think it's
1: i don't think it's something that chip wants to do
0: no no i don't think so And, and running five cars at indy where everything is is covered and paid for is different from running a fifth entry at select events bright so yeah i i I doubt they'll run him you know the other oval races which is kind of a bummer because i think that's fans you know go to those tracks especially gateway in iowa i feel like he has a legitimate shot to win in that equipment
1: yeah absolutely i would agree
0: so jimmy johnson full-time are we expecting much better results in in year two now i mean (laughs) i I felt like he improved so much throughout the season and i get that i'm i'm soft and i was always apologizing for his results but by that third felt like the 18th ims road course race at the end (laughs) of the year he had a good good result and was competitive
1: let me preface this by saying i like that jimmy johnson's in the IndyCar series. I think it's cool. I've always liked Jimmy. I think he's a great guy. He's a great ambassador for the sport. And he's brought some eyeballs to IndyCar that otherwise would not give it a second look. But until I see him mixing it up with relevant drivers toward the you know front half of the grid, I'm going to doubt that he's ever going to be anything other than... Uh, a back, I don't want to say a back marker, but a guy in the back of the field. To be honest, um, do you
0: think on the ovals he will be more competitive? Because I think he will be.
1: I don't know because it's going to be a learning experience this year for him from
0: the ovals. Like, the the racecraft is there, I guess, is what I would say compared to the road courses. He's having to learn that plus learn the car. Whereas true the ovals, I mean the car if if the setup's solid. That's not so much an issue. He has the oval race crap. But I still I, I think, think you're,
1: you're learning a lot, even on ovals, in terms of how the car handles and how it runs in traffic and what you can do and what you can't do. He's never raced open wheel and on an oval, let alone Texas, let alone Indy, Gateway, Iowa. These are all going to be brand-new experiences for him. You know, Indy, you can say, okay, he's got you know a test, and or a couple tests and a week of practice to get it acclimated, but, um, you know... Texas there's not going to be much time.
0: He had a test there. That was his first. I know, test. but in
1: terms of traffic in terms yes. of, you know, uh how the carb reacts and behaves, I think it's going to be a learning experience for him this year much like it was last year in the road and street courses. So, I mean, long story short, I'm not expecting much out of out of uh Jimmy Johnson in year 2. I feel if he can have a couple top 15s that would be good progress for me. Um but until I see it uh, it's tough to really buy in. And, you know, what? The, the field's not getting any easier. I mean, it's only becoming deeper heading into 2022,
0: you know? Okay, so points finish. You think he is top 20 or better or 21st through 25th or 26th, depending on, you know, if we get another entry?
1: What are we saying full-time, 25, yeah, 26? Yeah, 25 or 26. Uh, no, I don't think he's higher than 20th.
0: Okay. I, I think he's 20th or higher. I, Okay. And then I think he'll sneak in a top 10. Now, I don't think it's going to be at Texas or IMS, but I think later in the season, whether it's an oval or road and street course, I mean, just running all the races b- builds more continuity in the program. It gives you more of an opportunity, you know, for something to go right, right? right. And, and that's, I think, all you're looking for, that you get, like, one good result. I think a top 10 that'd be great
1: look i'm rooting for jimmy johnson i mean i'm i'm here to tell you that i'm, I'm not a hater I, i'm more of a realist i feel with jimmy johnson the guy's 46 years old uh his best racing days are behind him um he raced uh you know almost 700 races in his cup career over 20 years uh all he knows is tin tops and for him to jump into an open wheel car and be competitive in a, in a in a series that has become very, very deep in talent is very difficult. And I think it's admirable that he's trying it, and he's said all the right things, and I think he's great for IndyCar, and I'm not saying he doesn't deserve to be in a seat or anything like that. I just feel like at his age, and we saw the drop-off from him even at the tail end of his cup career, uh, I just don't think he's in a position to... Become very good at open wheel racing. I think he was already at the downhill of the downhill you know trend of his career, and you know just adding this is uh, is kind of a feather in the cap type thing. But I just don't see him ever being com- consistently competitive.
0: I will say this: having him and Roman Grosjean in IndyCar last year was clearly at the track noticeable how many fans they bring to the table. I think Grosjean made a lot of fans based on Drive to Survive. I think Johnson brought in a lot of fans because a lot of the merch that I saw at tracks were centered around those two drivers. It seemed like everywhere you looked, someone had a Carvana hat or jersey on or a purple Nurtec shirt on for Grosjean. So having either or both of those guys be successful will be a huge boon to IndyCar.
1: You know what's interesting is when you look at Jimmy Johnson and his career uh, since 2013, which was his sixth cup championship, Went a couple years that were lean there in terms of points 11th and 10th and 14 and 15. Came back and won the title in 16 and then was 10th and 17 with three wins. And that was it. So 18 and 19 finished 14th and 18th. Didn't have a win. Um, and even 20 didn't have a win uh, and was 18th in points. So very un jimmy johnson like those final three years in cup right and nothing really changed he was still with hendrick um you know long-time relationship with chad canals went away but other than that he was the same jimmy in the same equipment in the same competitive team but you could see the talent slipping you could see age catching up with him and unfortunately it's in my opinion it's carried over to indycar
0: i'm just hopeful that he can get a decent result so he'll want to stick around after next definitely season.
1: I, I look. I like. I said. I'm rooting for Jimmy Johnson, and I hope he proves me wrong. Most definitely. And I'm gonna. I'm excited. He's doing the full season. Absolutely.
0: One guy who will not be doing the full season. Nice segue, Justin. Good job. You, you teed that up for yep, me. Yeah, You know. Very unplanned. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Just like everything on this podcast, right? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. James Hinchcliffe will not be competing in the full 2022 NTT IndyCar Series all caps season. <laughs> It's too fun. it'd be the running joke I, yes. all of
1: 2022. I mean, look, it, and, and here's the thing: like, we're gonna get to more of it, but like, would you do it? I wouldn't do it.
0: No. What are they gonna do? Who cares? Like, you just look stupid. Just tag him on social media, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, anyway, we'll get we'll get to that in a bit. <laughs> it's much much easier. Hinchcliffe uh, posted a note on social media saying he's moving out of full time IndyCar competition now. That does not mean, and I think this is obvious, that he won't run select races. I would think he'll at least try to put together a ride for the Indy 500 for next year, maybe even Toronto as well. We could see him in sports cars. I'm sure that's a possibility. Um, he did, like, something for Formula E, right, when they came up to Canada, like a promo, or I don't, I don't remember what it was. He did something for it, though. So, obviously, everyone's thinking, okay, he'll be in the broadcast booth for 2022 with NBC Sports. And while I think yes, that is a strong possibility, they just haven't announced it yet. I'm still not 100% convinced that's the case. It seems
1: the natural thing for Hinch, but I don't know. Um
0: I think the fire's still there to race.
1: I would agree. Look, everybody was kind of all over, you know, you and I mentioned this, too, is just because James Hinchcliffe announces that he's stepping away from full-time driving doesn't mean he that was his decision. It basically came down to <laughs> nobody was putting him in a seat full-time. So, Hinch comes out and says, yeah, I'm, I'm backing away from full-time racing. But if somebody would have offered him something, he would definitely be in a seat full-time. So, yes, yeah, but, you know, that goes without saying. But I just felt like it was kind of comedic as people were falling over themselves to say, oh, no, Hinch is gone, blah, blah, blah. Like, nobody nobody was putting him in a seat.
0: The you, market was not there <laughs> for a full-time seat. Now, I will say this. It's it's not like Hinch ran out of talent. I think that's something that people just assume. There are a lot of factors. And I was texting with you about this before the show, that it's easy to forget that he suffered, and this was confirmed, he suffered some sort of leg injury and the off season before 2021, you know, before the 2021 season kicked off. Right. And that's been confirmed. We don't know what, you know, I think a lot of reports say it was a broken leg. Uh, that I was, f- a, what, a ski or snowboard deal? But, it was again, not forward. confirmed.
1: I feel that's important. Your legs are important when yes. you're pushing pedals. So um,
0: we didn't see him put together a good result until, what, Nashville when he yeah. got that podium? I mean, that was his only that's, podium. I think it was his only top 10. Later in the season much later in the season and you you look at you know you mentioned you look at his, his season yeah that was his only top 10 finish his best result before that was a 14th at detroit two. so i mean that kind of tells you that kind of set him back quite a bit and that car we're not convinced that it's that great of a ride right correct it seems to be the the buy ride zach veach got the funding from GameBridge for that seat and then they shifted that funding to colton Herta. Uh, f- for last season moving forward. Now we have uh, Hinchcliffe, who had it this past year, came with the Genesis funding, then Capstone carried over. And now we have Devlin DeFrancesco, which I'm not even sure what sponsors he's going to have, but I know his dad is the CEO of some company, right? Uh, like Jones Soda is connected yeah, to him. Yeah, another,
1: another uh, dad that has money.
0: <laughs> but, I mean, Hinch for his career, six wins, including Long Beach, one pole that 2016 Indy 500 uh, pull 18 podiums he had a good career he was solid in indy lights and in atlantics rookie of the year for indy car in 2011 good career um he took advantage of an era at andretti back in 2012 through 14 his first stint there they had really good cars really good machines and were very competitive with chevy and then honda power that that last year went, went to schmidt won some races but kind of mixed results came back to andretti obviously didn't pan out do you think we see him in the 500 next year
1: yeah i feel like he'll get a ride uh somewhere but um when we're comparing careers in terms of james hinchcliffe you look at it has the same amount of career wins as graham ray hall okay takuma sato although that's a big asterisk because <laughs> he's won the indy 500 twice and colton Herda. now granted hurda a lot younger
0: now, Ray Hall has more poles, right? I
1: mean, he's got what three or four? I think so. Although they feel like it, but it was twenty years ago, comparatively to how, how Graham Ray Hall qualifies now. But um, I just I, I don't know uh, what the history books will say about James Hinchcliffe. You know, twenty five years ago, um, good driver, not great driver, great personality. Uh, how far did his personality take him? Past performances on track, did he buy himself more opportunities over his career due to his personality? And that's not shortchanging him in, in whatsoever because if it worked, it worked.
0: I would say it bought him up to this past season, and that's where you know you you couldn't look away from the results. So you know over what eleven years, one hundred
1: and sixty-one races. Um, you know as a pretty solid career um for james Hinchcliffe. I, you know i think when you look at him in terms of close calls um obviously the big wreck uh at indianapolis um what was that six, 2016? 15 15, 15 16, the 16 500 the poll. Poll. uh but also uh, being hit by debris in 2014 mm-hmm. at the GP. Yep. Which could have been bad. And was that where he was knocked unconscious, that race?
0: Yes. So okay. uh, wasn't it like a spring? He got hit from, st- was it uh, Justin Wilson's car? Something happened, yeah. And thankfully it was on Holman Boulevard. So it's a straightaway. And it, he just kind of decelerated. Like it wasn't like there was a lot of contact. He decelerated down the straight and came to a stop, that was that was pretty scary. Yeah,
1: it was. I mean, you know, if if you know he passes out with his foot on the accelerator or something, you know, that could have ended a lot worse. But I think James Hinchcliffe is a great ambassador for IndyCar. Um, I think he's got a great personality. I just don't know how he fits in that booth. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, he's got a borderline goofy, and is he going to be separated enough from that paddock and we mentioned this last week, in terms of being able to be fair and harsh when need be uh, and, you know, tell it like it is in some, some instances. Uh, I have nothing against James Sincliffe for sure, in terms of being in the booth. I just don't know if he's the right fit.
0: That separation, I mean, you wait a year, maybe it's a lot different. And Marshall Pruitt sounded confident in the racer mailbag this week that Hinch would be, what was it, like he used the word spicy? <laughs> I would like.
1: I would like Hinch in a pre-race role and I would build some stuff around him in terms of features, whether that's um, like one-on-one interviews, one-on-one interviews whether, you know, you know, kind of like what, um, what's his name with NBC does when they bring him on
0: Rutledge Wood, Rutledge
1: Wood. And even, you know, I don't know if you've watched the Be- behind the bricks stuff. Um, from the Indianapolis Motor Speedway with Doug Bowles. yeah, yeah those I think are those good. things are great. Um, but you know, well, here. We are talking actual features in the pre-race, which we know, God forbid, will never happen at NBC. <laughs> but that's kind of the role I would like to see James Hinchcliffe be in, or um, you know, either you know, pit road, which you've seen him do a pit lane stuff. But I really think he could, he could really, really uh, excel at some of those feature type things.
0: We'll see. I mean, I I guess I won't be surprised if he's announced in the booth for for next season, but and we'd get that announcement what like probably early January. Yeah, I
1: mean, if that I whenever be surprised. they do their like media days, yeah. So, but I think also you know I think he's going to want to stay close to the to the track, close to the series because you know he's he could be the first you know, alternate for a lot of teams in terms of looking for a driver if he's hurt or, you know, injured or whatever, uh, COVID, whatever, they'd be like, hey James, you know, jump in the seat. So I think he's gonna want to be at a lot of these events, uh, however whatever role he's in.
0: The other thing is if he finds an Indy five hundred seat, you would expect it to be with Honda, but it seems like Honda is full, assuming that sixth Andretti is for Marco. Right. I mean, um, they're not going to go above eighteen, and yeah, that's, that's I don't think. Factor.
1: Yeah, very, very true. So uh, it would have to be Chevy, I reckon.
0: Yeah, you look. You have seventeen already confirmed, right? With five each from Andretti and Ganassi, so that's ten. Then you need two with Coin, Three with Ray Hall. That's fifteen. Throwing a a sixth Andretti, seventeen, and then throwing a third um, at Coin. That's it, right? I mean, that's all you'd expect. Yeah. So, I mean, it's filling up rapidly. Oh know, oh, and I f- forgot to mention Meyer Shank. Yeah. So there's really only like one, the third seat at uh, Dale Coin Racing with whatever partner team, and then a sixth Andretti. That's probably it. Yeah. So very limited options for Hinch. Maybe he'll race SRX. It helped for Marco. I mean, he y- won a race. Yeah.
1: That, he of that had idea. fun. And it looked like man, Paul Tracy had fun. Now he wants to do some IMSA races. So definitely an option, I feel.
0: Another driver who is not on the move yet, but we're not going to be surprised if he's on the move in a couple of years, Pato Award. He completed his F1 test in Abu Dhabi after the uh, F1 weekend. Fourth fastest time, Nick DeVries, who tested an IndyCar a couple weeks ago, had the fastest time at the test. Oscar Piastri uh, was also part of the test, along with a couple other names. Good opportunity for Pato. And I think the the real question is, what does this mean moving forward? Well, Luke Smith of Motorsport.com says, award sees two-year window to make F1 switch happen. And then you get to some of the verbiage. Jenna Fryer, the AP, had great coverage of the F1 week and also part of the Potto test. Uh, kind of had some interesting verbiage over the weekend on you know how this would play out. First off, she confirmed with the team that they already have the third driver for next year's Indy 500 lined up. It's not Stoffel Van Dorn, according to Zach Brown. Um, will not be Zach Brown. McLaren followed <laughs> that up. I thought that was funny. Uh, Plans for the third full-time car in 2023 on schedule. Zach Brown said, does not yet know if that third car will be on track in 2022 in races other than the 500, so that's another thing to factor in. And then with Pato himself, Jenna pointing this out, and Will Buxton also with another thing talking about the timeline. For Pato, uh, Jenna saying, after listening again to everything said, this is what struck me, Zach Brown said Pato will be an IndyCar quote, next year pato said he will be an indycar quote next year and then throw on will buxton tweeting he's part of f1 coverage uh, if this guy isn't an f1 by 2023 i'll be shocked incredibly talented he might even make the transition having won the 2022 indycar title i feel the writing's on the wall right um, I, I that's the exact phrase i i would have said
1: pato award is in his final year for now In IndyCar. I mean, what we, of course, all of us know about Formula One, it is a revolving door of drivers, unless you are uh, the best of the best, right? So, Pato Award, at 22 years old, is going to race one final year in IndyCar for right now, for 2022, go over, have his fun in Formula One. Maybe he's two and done. Maybe he's seven and done. Maybe he's 10 and done, but I feel like eventually he returns uh, to IndyCar. So I'm not going to look at it as uh, he needs to win the, the championship or needs to win the 500. He won't leave until he does one of those things. No, I think he could finish 17th in the points in 2022, and he's still going to be in a McLaren seat in Formula 1 in 2023.
0: Well, for Ricardo, I mean, he's 32. He's getting up there in age. That's like 72 in Formula <laughs> 1 years. I, I mean, obviously he's back next year with the team, right? I mean, that's yes. that's locked in. Now, after that, I don't know where his contract stands. I'm not going to pretend to be an expert on F1 contracts. Really? You don't have an no. uh, Excel spreadsheet with I, all this stuff? I do not. You know, I will <laughs> admit I had something similar when it came to IndyCar's silly season and schedule stuff back in the day. Well, but now we you. have the internet and Wikipedia to Color-coded track all that. and everything? Uh, not color-coded, no. Okay. Not to that level. But uh, um, Ricardo, I mean, he signed a multi-year deal, and I would assume that next year is the last guaranteed one. I mean, that two years is a long time
1: uh, it for says, an F1 driver,
0: right? Because this, this next season will be his second year because this was his first.
1: Well, this is a from foxsports.com. Let me see. From May 20th of this year. Mm-hmm. McLaren is tied down. It's r- okay. Blah blah blah. They've talked about Lando Norris. The, he's locked into the end of the 23 season.
0: Yeah, he got a, a long-term extension. Yes.
1: Um, but it does not say anything about Ricardo.
0: Two years, I mean, that's pretty standard.
1: I would agree. So, yeah. And think I how
0: would... much cheaper Pato Ward is compared to Daniel Ricardo. A little bit. A lot cheaper.
1: Definitely. And, I mean, Ricardo... I mean, early in the season there was even discussion about I don't know if they were gonna get rid of him or not, but it just he wasn't living up to the expectations of McLaren in that seat. I feel like as the season went on, uh he proved a little better, but um you know, I don't even know where he finished in the points. Did he finish in the top ten in points? Ricardo? Yeah.
0: I uh, I couldn't tell he you. He won a race. Eighth.
1: That's true. He did not win a race. He won a race. Um uh finished eighth. So yeah, he bounced back pretty good. I, I would I would feel that, um, you know, next year is probably it for Daniel Ricciardo, unless something absolutely crazy happens. And even if it does, even if he proves... um,
0: You mean for McLaren?
1: Right. I think he'll be an F1. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, you know, he could come out next year and and have a gangbusters year, but still be second fiddle to Lando Norris in that team. So I feel like regardless of what happens next year, Daniel, Daniel Ricciardo will move on from McLaren, maybe as a one driver with somebody else, if anything.
0: And, you know, pot of word, he can maybe get the one- or two-year deal. If it doesn't work out, he comes back to IndyCar, and everyone will be trying to get him.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's, just, so.
0: that's how that plays out. All right, before we, we get to uh, the mailbag and news and notes, um, sad news, and I guess this was not entirely unexpected, but Al Unser Sr. passed away uh, late last week. Um, really sad news for Unser. Uh, the Unser family. Uh, he was 82 years old, four-time winner. I think we feel really lucky that we got that four-time winner photo. Yeah. Uh, and apparently Roger Penske, you know, flew out his jet to to get Unser and make sure everyone was a part of it. But really cool that we got that. It was really special. And uh, something that someone pointed out, Bird Racing tweeting, how appropriate that this is a car greeting passengers uh, this weekend. This would have been last weekend at the Indianapolis International Airport Godspeed racer, and it was a picture of his 87 uh, Hertz Indy 500 winning car. How about that? Really, really cool. And, you know, Alan our Senior, before my time, Um, but do you kind of have any memories of him, Justin, as a race car driver?
1: Not much in terms of in the seat. You know, my early days of watching the Indianapolis 500, I remember him being part of the broadcasts. A lot. That's kind of where the majority of my personal memories come from Al Unser Sr. But
0: he was part of the broadcast a little too? bit, yeah, oh. uh,
1: here and there. Um, but as we all know, Bobby Bobby, yeah, but uh, Sr. did some, some here or there, I think. So, um, and just kind of being that go to in terms of, um, you know, he was always around in the paddock, so I remember a lot of interviews and stuff with him. But you kind of look at it now, and it really puts it in the perspective that we just lost our first four-time winner. And you look at mm-hmm. AJ, who's eighty-six, and Rick, who's still you know really active, obviously with Team Penske and stuff, but he's seventy. Um, I feel like the um, these guys, you know, seemingly invincible, winning four times, yet three of the four are seventy or older, and it's, uh,
0: it's hard to believe.
1: I feel like, you know, importance is is huge because in terms of getting a fourth not just to add to that, you know, prestigious list, but also because, you know, these guys aren't going to be around forever and we've already lost one and AJ at 86, you know, knowing him, will live to
0: two of he's like 120. <laughs> how many how many of his nine lives is he yeah, I by don't now? know. <laughs> uh,
1: you know, Rick see, see you know, he's he's still popping around and and good, but um, none of them are getting any younger, that's for sure. But uh, to be able to uh, to get all four of those guys together was was absolutely awesome.
0: All right. with that, uh, we, we'd love for you to interact with us. You can find us at newtrackrecordpodcast.com. While you're there, please uh, sign up for our email list so you never miss an episode. You can find us on social media. Our Twitter handle is IndyCar Podcast. On Facebook, like us, just search for New track Record. You can email us as well, newtrackrecordpodcast at gmail.com. And, of course, uh, follow us for free on your favorite podcasting platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts all for free. Okay, Justin, with that, time for the mailbag, and we do have plenty to get to once You put again. out
1: some di- interesting uh, questions that people were very receptive to.
0: Well, well thank you. Yes. I I did my best. That's all I ask. We had a lot of people arguing on Twitter over the Paul Tracy news. People
1: arguing on Twitter?
0: Yeah. No. <laughs> Impossible. <laughs> but uh, first tweet, this from NK Harden. I'm calling it now for the first time ever. Coin will bring back both 2022 drivers for 2023. Well, so far, we expect one of them to already be back with Maluka signing that multi-year deal. Yeah. Sato, I, I think as long as he wants the race and is competitive, they'll take him.
1: Da- absolutely. And I know that's only a one-year deal, but if Sato comes out and proves some things and wants to come back for another year, absolutely Dale Coyne will bring him back.
0: B Wilson underscore 27 tweets us, double for you guys, wing picks as requested. Blue Hogan wing means likely a J.J. Leto contact remnant.
1: That is hilarious. <laughs> that because picture I saw was great. That. Yeah, absolutely. Great job.
0: Uh, this from Jamin T14. Uh, Mossy has to feel like a dad on a cross-country trip with a back seat full of crybaby <laughs> toddlers arguing radio ban for team bosses, which aren't they doing? For This is in regards to F1. I believe they're doing that.
1: Right. Um, I, I guess I don't feel bad for Mossy because of the – I think the call he made was the wrong call. <laughs> yeah. But um, it it cannot get – it's not an easy job when everybody – is complaining about something all the time. If it's not Mercedes, then it's Red Bull. If it's not Mercedes and Red Bull, then it's Ferrari. If it's not those three, then somebody else is complaining. Like, it's incessant. And I, I can't imagine being in that position. But that said, he made the wrong call at Abu
0: Dhabi. You know, I'm just glad that all the arguing and bickering is – over? Oh wait, Is it's it? not.
1: <laughs> no, not at all. And you knew that's how it was going to go. You know, no matter who won that, the other side was going to have an issue somewhere. And unfortunately, Massey opened himself up to great criticism because of the way he called that race.
0: Yeah, he, he didn't help himself. Absolutely not. All season they, they were they're over regulating everything. It's called gravel traps. <laughs>
1: it Fixes everything. Yes. I, I like I just uh you, you knew it was gonna be
0: controversial, but
1: you know, that sells. Just ask NASCAR, right?
0: Yeah, we had the, the Netflix F one season finale, you know.
1: Oh yeah. Essentially. Writes itself for sure. And um, you know, this isn't a Max versus Lewis thing, and you know, I was I was rooting for Lewis, but um the call I would agree that was a bad call, regardless of who won. But well,
0: if, and the the no call at the start of the race seemed ridiculous because Lewis gained a clear advantage by exiting, you know, off the the track, and they didn't make contact, and it just seemed like that was it. And I was like, okay, well, that's a that's a whimper. Yeah, but that even then, I don't think that
1: affected the race as much as the the last. Well, no, part. no, I no, mean,
0: no, definitely not. So,
1: but, you know, I mean...
0: Lewis had opportunities to pit.
1: His team didn't pit him. Yeah, it was a bad call, but... um, Yeah, overall... Complete mess. It's, uh, I mean, put Bo Barfield or or PT in charge next year. (laughs) Why
0: not? Thankfully, uh, half the paddock doesn't even really know, or fans don't know Kyle Novak's name, the IndyCar race director. That's a good thing. to stay that way. Yes, absolutely. All right, other responses on... F1. Uh, You tweeted, only thing that would have made the F1 finale more exciting would have been double points, no wait, triple points. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, We we, we know that from experience. Poet Shevchenko said, 500 points for winning so you can proclaim Max won the F1 500 and said nothing against Verstappen. (laughs) (laughs) But what a mess. It was entertaining but it was a mess. It was. All right. posted a poll. What is your IndyCar Christmas wish? 65% said third OEM. 28% said Milwaukee, Cleveland, Michigan. 7% said international races. No one voted other, uh, but uh, Indy Nathan replied, Third OEM solves a lot of problems. It's pretty crucial. Yeah, I think we'd agree. Nick J. Fletcher says, Ed Carpenter to get four unofficial timed laps in the Penske PC23 with a Mercedes pushrod V8 and qualifying (laughs) trim around IMS. Does that count? Because that would be magic, and it would shatter Ari's record. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I mean, if you have updated tires that they could, you know, adapt yeah. to it, yeah, it would shatter the record. VickiLynn26 says, I'm a little late on this, but I'm definitely in the Milwaukee, Cleveland, Michigan camp. Of course, so <laughs> uh, many of you are. Jordan underscore Willman, PT developing his own YouTube channel to live stream the races with his reactions and thoughts. But the same people that can't stain him are the first to subscribe to his channel, plus PT making videos with Danica to exchange their personal fetishes. <laughs> nice. Uh-huh. Uh, Poet Shevchenko said, all I want for Christmas is you with hybrid, and it's the picture of uh, the Dan Gurney All-American Racers uh, Castrol car, what is that, from like 97 mm-hmm. or so? Beautiful Indy car. Um, let's see here. Who else we got? Auto Sport Lab says it'll get third OEM without Christmas Miracle. So please, Santa, bring us back Milwaukee, Pocono, and Kentucky with safety improvements and good promoter, of course. <laughs> Very nice. I like that. Uh, Mike underscore Joick uh, from our friends at Pit Lane Parlay TV streaming ratings. Uh, yes, increased ratings. I uh-huh. think we, I feel like we got that this year. We can't be too greedy and ask for two years in a row.
1: No, well, you know, you, you'd like steady growth, and that would be over yes. over the year, over well, the they
0: years. Better have steady growth since almost all the races are on NBC. <laughs> yeah, you would hope. <laughs> no There's excuse. Be, yeah, absolutely. Racer Mac RTP One says Milwaukee, Michigan, Pocono, and before they convert it, Fontana, <laughs> and then Zach C eight seven seven one said, "Don't remind me what they're doing to Auto Club." <laughs> yeah, it's a shame. It's something. It was fun when any car could race it. But
1: I feel like it's a cookie-cutter track at all. I know it has a history of being um, an open-wheel track. I get it. But we, we talk incessantly about how there's too many mile and a half, so there's too many two-mile ovals, and they're doing something different. I'm not going to hate on it.
0: I See, I would say there's not too many two-plus-mile ovals I mean, Fontana's a, a two-mile oval. True. It's a unique track. Michigan, same You're deal.
1: Michigan-Texas. Texas a two-mile?
0: Eh, mile and a half. Okay. Too many mile-and-a-halves, yes. I'll agree with that. I would agree. Uh, comments on Hinch stepping down from full-time IndyCar competition. Nick J. Fletcher says, My money is on NBC500 and SRX. NPT can wreck him every week and tell him it's not about taking his job. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? SRX, the more I think about it, seems like it could happen.
1: Absolutely. I mean, Uh, it's not that much of a time commitment. I mean, what
0: is it, six races? Yeah.
1: So, yeah. I feel like it's something that they could absolutely do with Hinch.
0: Seems like a fit. Uh, R. Cole says, huh, opening at NBC and now this news. And it's the gif. I think it's like from the league of the chart and trying with the yarn, you know, trying to piece everything together. Is that from the league? What is that from? You know that gif I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's the league. Okay. Uh, Jeremy from HBG says, yes, in the booth. And any racing one, I don't think there are any Honda rides left. I wish he would get one more good ride of the 500 and not be injured. Yeah, you, you know, the Honda thing, that is a factor.
1: You did you, mention that, yes. Look
0: at it. So again, we have four, but likely five, and maybe even six at Andretti, plus five at Ganassi. So that's 11, plus two at Meyer Shank, 13, three at Ray Hall. That's, let's see, 16. Add a third coin is seventeen, and then what am I missing? Uh, a fourth Ray Hall at eighteen, maybe. I mean,
1: where's yeah? I think so. It's
0: kind nah, of that doesn't that math doesn't even add up actually. So okay, let's do this again. Okay, yeah, let's go through. So, so confirmed, at, we have four at Andretti, four at Andretti, five at Ganassi, five at Ganassi. That's nine.
1: Two at coin. That's eleven. Uh, two at Meyer Schenck,
0: Thirteen. Three at Ray Hall. So that's sixteen. So we'd expect two more and Andretti and that's it. Or one more at and Andretti and one more at coin.
1: I feel like that's the most likely scenario. Yeah. When you look at Chevy, two at Foyt, two at Arrow, mm-hmm. two at Dryer and Reinbold. So that's six. Two at Ed Carpenter. Three Eight. at Penske.
0: 11 plus one at one Uncos.
1: That's 12, 12
0: plus 13 the third at Ed Carpenter. 14 the third at Aaron McLaren SP. And then 15 you would expect a third at Foyt. And then uh, let's see. Top Gun would be 16. And then who are we missing? What was that? Carlin, if they do anything. That could be one to two, and same with Junka. Five. I mean, th- they're maxed out at eighteen, and you yeah. know, Trackside Online basically had a thread last week saying the same thing. It's it's not going to be more than eighteen for either. No, the most you're getting is thirty six qualifiers. Yes, the most. That is is true. Okay, more thoughts, and this is on, uh, Jimmy Johnson. Uh, Nick J. Fletcher said, road course, street course, aero kit, but I'll assume that we're assuming it's all what we've been assuming. <laughs> that <laughs> on the, the a tweet talking about the announcement that they made uh, Wednesday morning also said that Carvana is the third OEM with rotating power plants based on what's available <laughs> in the most regionally local car vending machine. Have we got any update on the Indianapolis Carvana? No. Okay, because lot, lot, we were talking about that. Yes.
1: It looked vacant to me. There were no cars in the uh, in the machine, so to speak, I didn't know if it was permanently closed or maybe they sold out of cars. I don't know. I didn't know if you had been down there since.
0: Yeah, I I have not. Um, let's see. And then this from poet Shevchenko, um, pointing out, uh, happy to see these fellows back in the road. to India like their style in USF 2000 and Indie Pro 2000. Can always use more cars. Newman Walks Racing is back. That's pretty exciting. That's cool.
1: Now what are we at? Are we at like thirty entries for indie indie lights now? <laughs>
0: uh, indie lights uh we're probably approaching 15. 15ish, yeah. And then we had a, a rant on PT this from Alex Kane 33. Um <laughs> tagging IndyCar and NBC. After your decision to remove Paul Tracy from the broadcast booth, I will no longer be watching or subscribing to your platform. I'll be listening to every IndyCar race on IndyCar Radio and using the IndyCar app. What a dumb decision. Hey, you know what? Staying up for for what you believe. Hey, in.
1: that's what you believe. I just it seems a little uh little severe for PT because I don't think they got rid of PT for any reason whether it was his politics or what he posts or whatever. I feel like after SRX last year, PT wants to do more racing. Yes. And I don't think that they came were able to come to a deal but that would accommodate PT and what he wanted to do and the schedule. And I think that's it. So this is an IndyCar car getting rid of him. I don't even think it's not NBC Sports getting rid of him. It's just amicably couldn't come to a, uh, a deal.
0: He wanted a bigger racing schedule, like you said. They couldn't, you know, they didn't want to be as flexible with that. And that's where they're at. Yeah, I, I just, I don't, I don't see any of the,
1: I don't know the vitriol and maliciousness on either side, let alone the, the people on social media. I, you're, I think you're just making too much out of what I feel is nothing here.
0: All right, time for news and notes. Not a whole lot to get to here. Uh, the first thing, PPG has been named the official paint and finishing supplier of IndyCar and IMS, plus the official sponsor of the Indy 500 qualifying weekend. So that's cool to see another historic name back. They it's going to
1: be the PPB, PPG World Series here in a couple of yeah, years. PPG
0: bet. IndyCar World Series. That Bring it back. Just Part everything two. 90s. Yes. PPG
1: IndyCar World Series 2.0.
0: Now they just need to go back to surfers. All in caps. Yes, all in caps. <laughs> well, at least PPGs in caps, thankfully. Yeah. But yeah, go back to surfers, go back to Vancouver, get a race somewhere in Mexico, race oh. in Brazil. Newman Haas is back, like it's yeah. it's all coming back. All yeah. all together. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, speaking of events, uh St. Pete now until December 24th, so Christmas Eve you can get exclusive access to Firestone GP single day tickets. Uh, gpstpete.com This ends December 24th at 8.59pm I would assume Eastern Time for that, so exclusive access and then um, one of the other Green Savory tracks you can get Xfinity and IndyCar tickets for Portland Uh, they have combo ticket packages starting at only $100, that offer ends December 24th at 5.59pm Pacific Time portlandgp.com slash holiday is the deal there uh some tv news speaking of australia stan sport which is a tv channel in australia they will have the indycar series the fia world rally championship and the fia world endurance championship every race every round ad free live and on demand only on stan sport and apparently this is a pretty big deal
1: excellent I mean, I couldn't tell you whether that's a good or bad deal, so our Australian friends will have to inform us whether this is or not.
0: What I've seen via Twitter, via Australian fans, that this is actually a very big
1: deal. Okay. Like, I don't know if this is, like, the ESPN of Australia or if it's the CBS Sports Network of Australia. (laughs)
0: Like, I don't know. Big difference there. Absolutely. (laughs) Huge difference. (laughs) Elio Castroneves, uh, the sculpture is is underway. In fact, it looks like it's almost done for his uh, fourth image on the Borg Warner. He posted some photos of that and Adam Stern with a couple F1 related things Uh, there's a deal in place between F1 and Austin for another five years that should be announced soon that from Joe Saward I think is how you say it then also uh, Saward reporting after Abu Dhabi most folks went home but some went off to Nevada where a number of F1 execs went to work and closing a deal with the city of Las Vegas and to plan exactly where the racetrack could be (sighs) I got nothing Yeah, I... I really don't. I get that they want to expand in America, but it seems like they're jumping the gun, right?
1: Well, before you even have a second race, you're looking to add a third race in the U.S., and and that's got to be the... Three's the most, right? Like, got to be down three. they have to. Right? Uh, I think part of the allure for me with Formula One is
0: it's not in the United States, uh, at least all races except one and two. I next like year. watching, you know, the races. Wake up Sunday morning. I usually DVR and start watching yeah. the race. You know, I may not always finish it right there. May catch it later that night or finish Monday night. I mean, that's the allure. It's something to watch in the morning. Once football season starts, and I'm not like a huge NFL guy by any by any chance, but once football season starts, you lose a lot of that audience.
1: Absolutely, and that's why I think it's a great point because Formula One it fits in even now before the nfl starts on sunday you know
0: those eight nine ten a.m. starts you know perfect yeah eastern time starts it's it is great
1: i just you know i i'm probably in the minority for people particularly with the people that uh that formula one liberty media are targeting with these additional races in the united states but i just uh you know give me more
0: exotic locations
1: yeah like (laughs) I, i don't care about Vegas. I don't care about Miami. I can turn on the TV and see Vegas and Miami anytime I want. Um yeah, you know, give I me, give me see... a race in
0: uh Buenos Aires. There you go. I mean or South Africa. South
1: Africa. Absolutely. Or I mean... But that's not where the money is, comparatively. No. But look, I'm I'm more interested in turning in to see the race at Baku and Imola and Singapore than I am Vegas. But, you know, if you got big spenders with deep pockets that are willing to finance something like that, you know, that's where Liberty, Liberty media is going to go. So I don't necessarily blame them. I just, it doesn't excite me.
0: Yeah. I mean, will I watch it? Of course I will.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I'll watch it. Yeah, for sure. But it could be, I don't know, maybe it could be one of those races that, uh, that, you know, you watch the first couple laps and then you're done type thing. So to me,
0: give me, uh, uh, give me Jetta over and over and over again, basically. <laughs> well, we've teased it all episode. I think it's time we talk about this huge game-changing news for IndyCar marketing. Oh,
1: absolutely. Uh, you know, fresh ideas for 2022. Here we go. You look at uh, at what Formula One has done to spread its brand across the world, and by gosh, IndyCar is jumping on board with the next you know, revolution of advertising here.
0: Marshall Pruitt, racer.com mailbag. As F1 continues to win the hearts and minds of American Open Wheel Racing fans, I've heard we're in store for another season of the Defy Everything marketing campaign. The drivers hate, and teams have been asked to make sure they use THE NTT IndyCar Series, all caps, in print and on social media, not the NTT IndyCar Series, you know, not in all caps. Because, you know, well, actually, I have no idea.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Can you imagine the marketing team for IndyCar, and that's the idea that they come out with? Is, okay, guys, here's what we're doing for 2022. All caps. That's our our big push is going to (laughs) be all caps. That's pitiful and embarrassing, and... Everybody talks about the on-track product and all that stuff, but we are in a digital world now that if you don't have a a plan that puts you firmly in the 21st century in terms of marketing and advertising and communication on, on what your event is, not just sports, but, you know, events and entertainment, like, you are going to be left in the dust. And IndyCar Series is so far behind where other entities are in 2021 like it's embarrassing at this point.
0: I am indy <laughs> Hey. Uh and we
1: thought that was the that was the the apex of bad <laughs> of indie car marketing and it's just gotten worse since then. In all honesty,
0: yeah, the the Indy 500 or bus campaign I thought was great, but that was an IMS campaign.
1: Right. I, I feel like I, I, I don't know what the marketing team has made up with with IndyCar. I'm just picturing a bunch of 40-, 50-, 60-year-olds in there going, okay, how do we market our sport? And they're they're thinking, okay, we need to make sure that more newspapers are here writing articles. And, you know, oh, yeah, that newfangled social media, I know. Let's put everything in all caps so it, it, it dazzles the eye and brings it to Like,
0: IndyCar even have a TikTok, you know, that they post on? I have it no yet. idea. I, I would I imagine know they, they have one, one but I'm they sure they don't, don't it.
1: utilize it. I just don't know if the if the leadership within the marketing and advertising team is just too old school and they you know the younger people aren't allowed to really, you know, adopt ideas. I, I don't know. But um uh just it's it's rough. You just you, you need to find something else. And if that's the big marketing push for twenty twenty two, it's it's just embarrassing.
0: The other bit out of the mailbag, this is not a surprise, Marshall basically poo-pooing the idea that BMW uh, could become the third engine manufacturer for IndyCar simply because they made a big investment in IMSA with a factory GTD Pro effort uh, run by BMW Team RLL starting next year, and then a hybrid LMDH prototype effort with Ray Hall starting in 2023. I mean, that's a huge investment, especially the LMDH investment is a huge investment so that basically takes bmw out of the running one would think
1: at this point but they could very easily be the
0: fifth or sixth oem in a couple of years <laughs> uh. <laughs> oh man that's just depressing anyway there there are no tweets of the week justin so the floor is yours for our rainbow is mine huh? split era driver of the week and this will be the final one of 2021 yeah, we're going to take a couple of weeks off to recharge
1: and hopefully have uh, 52-ish more drivers to highlight uh, in 2022. But do you remember, Caleb, Bill Tempero? Who? Bill Tempero, born in, in January 16th, 1944. This guy was born during World War II and owned and operated Tempero Racing in the 80s, early 80s, and competed in kart for two, three, four, four years but then came back around in 1996 the first year of the Indy Racing League with Tempero Geoffrey Racing in his 4-year-old Buick V6 wow Lola uh failed to make the race at Walt Disney World that was the first race of the Indy Racing League correct yeah uh he uh he returned for the first time since 1984 He raced for uh, ALSUP Racing and Jet Engineering in 1984. Did not qualify for Long Beach or Road America. Those were his only two attempts in 1984. And then went into, uh, let's see, Can-Am Racing in the 80s. That
0: was a big series back then.
1: Yeah, but it was already kind of falling apart, I guess, in the mid-80s. And here's something interesting. Bill Tempero led an effort to create a new series called the American IndyCar Series.
0: Ah, so I have heard of this, but I know very little about it.
1: This is the fascinating thing uh, with Bill Tempero. Uh, It utilized used chassis and engine from the cart and and IRL. Um, Let's see. Let's see. Buddy Lazier, Jock Lazier, Robbie Unser, Johnny Unser found success in the American IndyCar Series. Over the years, the series had a predominantly Western-based schedule. Well,
0: oh, Buddy Lazier was a champion of this series.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, this it, is fascinating because I didn't know much about this until I started looking into Built in a little more. But once the Can-Am series was starting to go away and teams had already defected to CART or IMSA, the, rest, the people that were left, the teams that were left, kind of led this American IndyCar series effort. And looking at it, it says, um, "Built in Peril led the indie style effort in terms of those who wanted to use old cart machines and Cat the Can Am teams. So the leftovers from from that didn't go to Carter IMSA held one race in '86, folded after '87. Uh, but then he broke off Tempero and started his own IndyCar car series in 1988 with cars powered by by stock block Chevy engines.
0: What's weird to me is." So this runs from, you know, 86, 87 cart season, and then 88, 89 It goes for like 14 stops. years. Then picks back up 98, 99, 2000, and then 2002. Uh, And then there's the USS. Which, which is the United States Speedway Series. Yeah, that picked up 2001, 2, and 3. Look at this Ken Petrie guy. He won
1: twice in the American IndyCar Series and three times in the United States Speedway Series. Five-time winner.
0: And did he start any races in Carter IRL? I have no idea. I can't even click on his name on, <laughs> on uh So um, I, I'm going to guess no.
1: <laughs> um, so, but, okay, some of the races they they or the tracks that, that they competed in is kind of fascinating, too. So you look at 1988. They were at Willow Springs. It's the oldest permanent road course in the United States. Still there. Hmm. Uh,
0: I just think it's wild that... So he gets a sixth place at Milwaukee in 1980, and then he's trying to qualify for Walt Disney World in 1996.
1: Right, absolutely. So uh, actually raced at Gateway, this uh, this cat, or this American IndyCar series. Um, Tioga Motorsports Park... It was a half-mile oval in Owego, New York. Uh, let's see some of the other ones. Magic Valley Speedway. That sounds just like a cheap carnival in a parking lot <laughs> in somebody's town. Um, Birmingham International Raceway it was a 5 5.8-mile oval paved, paved racetrack on the uh, Alabama State Fairgrounds.
0: Um, there are some great names in the 96 IRL season, like Joe Go- Goczek or Gosek. You're ruining Firman future split-era
1: random driver of the uh, weeks.
0: Obviously, Racing Gardner. I mean, I'm going to forget some of these names. David It who's part of the Tempero. Is it Griffey? Is that how you say it? Uh, I said uh, Geoffrey. It's uh, not an
1: R. It's an I. Oh, I I don't know. Geoffrey. I don't know, but between 96— uh, Randy Tolsma. Yeah, between 96 kart and Indy Racing League, like that's could be
0: two years worth. Yeah, it's a field day. I yeah, <laughs> I'm absolutely. looking at this name, Jim Buick Race. Yeah,
1: but um anyway, back to the American IndyCar series, uh he dominated the second tier series which featured year old and older chassis from kart competition. Now back in 96, so he's operating this American IndyCar series and now here's the split and he goes, "Hey, it's my opportunity to get back in top-tier open-wheel racing in the IRL. He attempted to return to top-level open-wheel racing at Walt Disney World and as four-year-old, four-years-old Lola Buick failed to make the field, but the team continued to enter IRL races throughout 96 for other drivers. Uh, And even adding more interest following his retirement from racing, Tempero pursued his interest in history and currently serves as the president of the United States Cavalry Association. Cavalry is like Horses. Fighting on horses. Yeah. <laughs> which not around very much anymore. So um Bill Tempero, just fascinating dude, one and done in the IRL, attempted to uh qualify for that Walt Disney World race. His best finish in cart was a
0: sixth in Milwaukee. Yeah, in nineteen eighty in, in nineteen eighty. Yeah. Uh
1: also an eighth in Mexico City that year. Uh but his final start In cart or IRL was in 1983, Mid-Ohio finished 21st in Tempero Racing. But uh, Tempero Geoffrey Racing, as you were naming um, drivers off, I mean, it was a who's who.
0: (laughs) Well, I'm just naming drivers from the season. I mean, Butch (laughs) Brickle. I mean, that's just the the greatest name ever. Uh, Rick DeLorto. Brad Murphy. Ian G-
1: Waddle. <laughs> Just a Tempero Geoffrey racing. You had Bill Tempero, David Kudrave, Justin Bell, and Billy Rowe. Billy and, Rowe. And this season only had three races, right? Yeah. I mean, and still. Disney
0: and what? Phoenix and the 500?
1: Or five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen. 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. You only have 14 drivers that raced all three races. Which is pretty wild. And that's a long like when you look at the entry list, like it's it's huge, but only fourteen of them raced every race with the same team. And there was only three races. Which shows you
0: how high the turnover was in that era. Bit.
1: But uh Bill Tempero still with us, um getting up there in age now, but uh, was born in nineteen forty four from milwaukee i'm sure he's leading the charge to get milwaukee back on the schedule one last time or maybe bring back the american indycar series to race at the milwaukee mile but caleb that's it that's uh that's our random split era driver of the week for the final episode here in 2021 mr bill tempero Uh,
0: again another guy i've never heard of so so far the streak is alive I'm trying to take mental notes on that 1996 IRL roster, (laughs) season roster. But unfortunately, I'm going to forget all the names. Besides, I mean, Billy Rowe, I remember. Stan Waddles, I remember. Everyone remembers Racing Gardner because of the nickname. Yeah. And, you know, Dr. Uh, Jack Miller. Jack Miller, yeah. But I mean, outside of that, I'm not going to remember these names. Oh, but and I think that's sh- why we highlight
1: them. But you should, though. Every you week. You should, absolutely. I, I mean, everybody's craving through that drive-to-survive type show for IndyCar present day. Give me the American IndyCar series documentary. Yes. I would watch that.
0: I would. Give me, like, a docu-series on, like, they split away from cart. Informed their own series, but it was not the Indy Racing League. <laughs> the American IndyCar Series. This ESPN Sports Century on ESPN Classic brought to you by Pinzoil. 30 for 30 on the American IndyCar Series. Please, the true
1: split, Can-Am and the American IndyCar Series.
0: This is the stuff that we need. This is the content this we is, need.
1: This is the stuff. This is what brings the masses back, definitely.
0: Fascinating. What if I told you? There was a split that you didn't know about in IndyCar racing, <laughs> the American IndyCar Series. That's what we need to and then bring play John, the play the uh, thirty for thirty music underneath. Yeah, here.
1: that's what we need to bring bring John Oryovitz back and talk about Indy Split Two because he needs to do a follow up to his great book, The Indy Split, by talking about the real <laughs> split Can Am and the
0: American IndyCar Series. I know the driver we have to get though, and this this what's his name, Bill Tempero? Tim, yep. We we gotta find a way to get him on for our um what is it um wayback driver I don't even know what I called it
1: the wayback machine
0: no <laughs> <laughs> we're just highlighting drivers from from the past oh where are they now yeah yes there you we go. we gotta we gotta find a way to get him on because well, that would, would be great
1: I would say track Timpero down on social media but he's 77 years old so I'm I'm guessing he doesn't have Twitter.
0: But I'd like to learn more about the American IndyCar Series. That Absolutely. seems like a interesting topic for the future. I
1: think uh, for the for Dale Junior's series going to racetracks, he should do an entire season on old American IndyCar Series tracks. <laughs> Give it to me. Was Texas uh, World Speedway one of them? I'm all in. No, <laughs> even Texas World Speedway is like too well known for that. Like. <laughs> Uh, it's crazy. Mountain View Motorsports Park in Meade, Colorado. Like most He of these- went
0: to one in Pueblo. I've driven through Pueblo once.
1: Yes, I've been in Pueblo. Um, most of these don't even have Wikipedia pages.
0: And not Mexico where there's an oval. We're talking about yeah. Pueblo, Colorado. Absolutely. Uh,
1: <laughs> like Hawkeye Down Speedway in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Like, give it to me. I will, Like, Tell me all about that speedway, please. Race City Speedway in Calgary. Come on.
0: They they race at Saint-Air as well. Yeah, in Quebec. So I mean, it's not like they just raced at these tracks that you've never heard of. Yeah. It's probably what, 50-50 split. Absolutely. Like once you get to the USS
1: SS, <laughs> uh, they're starting more familiar ones, so they're getting going to uh, uh the Ve- they did their Vegas Motor Speedway with the road course, Pikes Peak, uh Firebird International Raceway in Chandler, Arizona
0: click on this bad Firebird. Way. Yeah, so that's where Ayrton Senna did his Indycar test. Really? Yeah. Huh. Yeah, in, you're in right. Arizona. Yeah. That's a legendary track. Wow. Oh. Tested a Penske car there and was it 93? And and it has a numerous configurations at uh,
1: wild It's now called Wild Horse Pass Motorsports Park.
0: Even cooler name.
1: Yeah, right? Still there. Forget Phoenix. <laughs> Let's go back to Firebird International Raceway. But um, Magic Valley Speedway, Sandia Motorsports Park, San Antonio Speedway. I mean, seriously, this is the series we need. Not just the series to return,
0: but also like a Netflix series. I'm on board. Maybe like uh, SRX could go to some of these if they still exist. Oh, man. Sign me up. Seems like IndyCar needs to do some sort of short track event. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. For some fans. I mean, you
1: got a hint in. Hey, got these Marco, these same drivers
0: P-T. that you saw here tonight, you can see Sunday on NBC. <laughs> <laughs> Will that work? Is that grass, marketing? Grassroots? Is that marketing? I like it. Oh man, we got that. That was a complete amazing tangent for our oh, <laughs> random. It's what driver a way to wrap
1: up the year with that. Yes. Tell yes. you what,
0: the American IndyCar Series. I a had no back. idea
1: that was a thing until I started looking up Built Impero.
0: I had I had heard of it, but I was confused and didn't really look into it more. I may have to kind of skim through Oreo's book to see if there's anything on that because it's such a weird footnote. You know, pre-split era. Absolutely. It's just uh
1: it there's not much on Wikipedia on it, although it has, you know, results and everything for the years, but uh yeah, like fascinating, fascinating stuff that only a very few amount of people would be interested in.
0: Yeah, like Not even half our listeners. Oh, yeah,
1: barely. (laughs) I mean, most have already checked out, let's be honest.
0: Probably. All right. Well, uh, with that, our final episode of 2021 ends with a bang, and we'll be (laughs) back in uh, 2022. I'm sure we'll have plenty of IndyCar news to discuss, uh, unless there's some breaking IndyCar news that is so big. uh, We'll do an emergency pod for that if necessary. But this will be it for the year. And as always, thanks so much for listening to us. Uh, making it's a part of your commute or your time in the office or whatever. You know, if you're just bored and you turn us on so you can fall asleep you know, whatever works. We'll <laughs> whatever take it. it works. Thanks so much for listening throughout the year. And uh, we'll be back with you in 2022. Yes. For- Happy holidays, everybody. Happy holidays for Justin Kinney. I am Caleb Hatch. Thanks for joining us once again on New Track Record Podcast.
1: Podcasts by Federated Media.